The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. Ho, ho, ho! It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. A busy day to say the least. Welcome to the game. We're short today, just from 5 to 6. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Travion Berkland wearing a I Heart New York hoodie. And I got to say, I heart that hoodie. I really do. I've always liked the I Heart New York logo. I love New York City. It's my home away from home. 26 signees will soon be traveling to a new home as they sign the dotted line. And that new home is... Manhattan, Kansas. Kansas State University to play football for the Big 12 Championship head coach, who is also a Bobby Dodd Coach of the Year finalist. And Chris Kleiman, who just got a nice ovation before the second half of K-State mm-hmm. and Radford. Now, a uh, couple of housekeeping things. One, uh, we will talk a little bit about the recruiting class here in the show. We'll squeeze it in, but we're going to talk a lot about it tomorrow. Um, I guess we'll officially call it our recruiting class special. We'll still have a couple of our staple segments in tomorrow's show, but we'll talk mostly about the 2023 recruiting class. Like I said, 26 signees in the class and 23 of them high school student athletes, three of them community college transfers. And here in a little while, we'll talk about the way Chris Kleiman and staff closed the recruiting class with a nice burst yes. of commitments and uh, also guys that have signed today. Heck, the uh, signing started a few minutes after 6 o'clock, and it was all done by pretty much 10 o'clock? It was entertaining. Yeah, it was entertaining to watch the tweets already come rolling forward. Uh, starting in the 6 o'clock hour this morning, I'm like, wait a minute, this is getting started early. Bring the sauce was the tagline for the uh, National Signing Day 2023. It's technically early signing period, but a lot of the work taking place today, and I'm sure you know tr- some transfer portal guys will sprinkle in here and there, but uh, that time will tell. Uh, so, w- also with the housekeeping things, do want to mention here um, for those that w- was playing along. The G. Thomas Jewelers, Godfrey's Ranges, and Tactical Supply Jingle Bell Rock has been found. Uh, congratulations to the team that turned it in this morning of Keenan and Lauren. They are the winners of thousands of dollars in cash and prizes. Did you guys get to interview them today? Just for a brief few minutes, yeah. They they ran the car wash this morning around the studios. Oh, yeah. Did the lap. Yep, did the lap. Lap around the block, as we say around here. They were very sharp on top of it because they had it mapped out where one was on the east side, one was on the west side, and as soon as they heard the clue, they were on the phone with each other and determining where they were headed. If you haven't heard, the Jingle Bell Rock was found by Rocky Ford along Western Heritage Trail. If you want the clue breakdown, um, head over to any of our station websites, including NewsRadioKman.com for those details. And and big thank you to our sponsors this year, also including, of course, our title sponsors, G. Thomas Jewelers and Godfrey's Ranges and Tactical Supply. Uh, also, uh, another thing about the weather, we are in a winter storm warning that is in effect until Friday morning at midnight, mm-hmm. as in as we transition from Thursday to Friday, midnight, 1201, whatever you want to call it, 
on December 23rd. As I was leaving Bramlage, so I wear these Nike shoes. That, they're basically Vans, but they're Nike. To me, they're very comfortable. I like the look of them. They're not great on ice. No. Uh, and we just, I guess, got just enough precipitation mm-hmm. that coming across the beautifully paved parking lot <laughs> that uh, Coach Tang did himself, uh, it got very slick. And yes. it was a little hard to walk, honestly. I made a quick run to take care of a little business, a couple of errands real quick this afternoon, and the drizzle wanted to freeze on my wife's windshield of the car. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be that way for a bit. Just be very, very careful. Now, I got to say, I I am a... I'm a United States Olympic gymnast when it comes to keeping my balance on the ice. I was slipping and sliding, but I never felt. Also, I never saw anybody else biff it. So congratulations to those that had to make the walk there on the east side from the doors all the way to like where the student park students park these days. It's not a short walk. It's a little bit of a journey. I didn't see anybody slip and fall, so congratulations there. Hopefully the roads aren't too bad. Did hit a couple of slick spots on the way back to the radio station, so be careful if you're out there on the roads. Go ahead, Travion. On Seth Child, I did almost spin out because of how slippery it was, but, you know, so that's how it shows how slippery it is mm-hmm. in certain areas. But Especially watch the, the overpasses, bridges and yeah. overpasses. And uh, also another reminder as we keep going with all the housekeeping stuff we're trying to cram in here, Chris Kleiman will be having a press conference at 6 o'clock. And that is the official early signing period, signing the 26 student-athletes. That press conference will be taking place at 6. We'll have it on air, but it'll be, you know, you can watch it on ESPN+. Plus If you choose to do so, we'll have those highlights coming up tomorrow morning on the K-Man Morning Show with, with Troy, some of those highlights, and then I'll have a lot more <laughs> coming up on tomorrow's show that we're calling you know, somewhat the, the National Signing Day special, and it will be tomorrow our last show of the week. Naquan Tomlin needs to be careful, okay? If he's not careful, he's going to become the fan favorite at K-State. <laughs> what a show that guy just put on. Now, I got to say it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a blah victory. Mitch Palm was a little bit off on the final score, but it was a victory for the Cats, 73-65. K-State now 11 and 1 before Big 12 play starts in 10 days. How about that? 10 days off before the next game. That allowed those student athletes to go home, enjoy some time with family, come back and get ready for Coach Huggins and the Mountaineers. But the final score, 73-65. K-State with 42 points in the second half. Radford was better in the second half as well. Both teams shot it well in the second half. K-State, though, 59% in the second half. But my God, Naquan Tomlin was jumping out of the gym Mm -hmm. in this game. I mean, he had an amazing drive. He posterized, dunked a dude. Uh, he, he probably had three or four dunks in the game. Not, not to mention that Marquise Noel had a lob from over half court. Keontae Johnson with the jam. Keontae had a, had a tough night. Yes. Yet he was still able to score 16 points and grab seven rebounds. He had three assists. No turnovers. He just he struggled a little bit from the floor. I think the key to that is, though, that he's veteran enough. He knows how to work through a day like that and not have it affect him too much. 
Yeah, a veteran, and he he will still find a way to score. He was 4 of 7 from the free throw line. Case it was 10 of 15. Unfortunately, again, six straight games now. They shoot under 70% from the free throw line, 10 of 15. Also, the three-point shot just wasn't as as great, 5 of 17. And maybe, you know, Keontae, we feel like he's good for 50% from the three-point line every single game. He was not 0 of 4. Um, and Mark uh, Marquis Noel with a double-double. He had 10 points, 11 assists, too many turnovers. You know, I, I thought that was some of the issue because K-State was really – it was ugly basketball early, and it got a little ugly mm-hmm. towards the end of the game, where there was just a few too many turnovers. K-State with 12 in the game. I thought they would force more turnovers with their defense against Radford, and Radford only turned it over eight times. I will say I was very happy with one of the corrections made from the first half to the second half. Coach Tang mentioned that you know, they just, for a while there at the beginning of the year, they didn't come out with the same energy they would have in the first half into the second half. Uh, the defense maybe wasn't as good. I thought the defense took away some shots that Radford had in the first half with knocking down some three-pointers. I was pulling out my hair when they were leaving Kenyon uh, Giles, who is a 41% three-point shooter, open for those three-pointers. He was three of four for the game. The difference was, and you know it wasn't perfect, the closeout D – not giving the easy three-pointers away was a little bit better in the second half. And I got to say, am I completely now completely feeling good about the perimeter three-point defense coming off of held defense, trying to close out, contest the shot? Am I completely comfortable with the way K-State's playing that right now? I am not. But it was a little bit better in the second half. But I will say Radford was still 7 of 20 from three-point range. Uh, you know, Mitch Palm kind of maybe took Radford for, for granted. Didn't pay close enough attention to exactly how well they've done this year enforcing some, I wouldn't say great teams, but some name teams like Notre Dame and Army to, uh, you know, into in some tough games. A couple of games, those are two they lost, but they were close losses. Mm-hmm. And Radford... First of all, their head coach knows Keontae Johnson very well. I don't know exactly where, but apparently he used to be Keontae Johnson's coach. Recruited him uh, at one point. Uh, had been uh, an assistant at Florida, so had recruited him there to Florida. Well, and apparently that coach is a big reason why Keontae Johnson picked K-State. Uh-huh. You know, there is a little bit of a connection there, I suppose, between him and uh, – and Coach Jerome Tang, they shared a big hug before and after the game. There's a, there's a connection there. And we're very happy that Keontae Johnson is here. But maybe he also knew how to guard him, how to make him uncomfortable. And Keontae was leaving a lot of shots short in this game. But I got to say, they grinded it out. It was great to see a Miami Egiola back in the lineup. And he had a great swat. As a matter of fact, K-State did a great job of blocking the basketball. They had five blocks in the game. Two from a Miami, two from Naquan. One from David Gasson. Those are three bigs coming up with block shots. I know it was just an eight-point game. But it was one they really had to grind out and, and figure it out. And they did. And they still did it by shooting the ball 49% in the game. And they scored in the paint. They attacked 
They scored 46 points. K-State had 20 assists on 29 made field goals. Again, I know it was an eight-point win, but, and yes, sure, were we a little maybe unsatisfied with the victory? I think we've had a little bit of that this year in the 12 games so far, but they're 11-1. and one. They needed one to grind out before Big 12 play came along. Not every game is going to be perfect. Well, and not only that, but they kept their focus on picking off a victory before Christmas break. That's always in and of itself a challenge. Yeah, a weird tip-off time, one yes. thirty on a yeah. Wednesday. Yeah, it, it's weird. And, and also, you know, I also had in my mind, and I should have brought it up in Mitch Palm. You know, you don't get the, you know, maybe this is nothing, but I, I, it was just a thought. You know, you don't get your full warm up. You don't get the shoot around before the game. The women playing beforehand, they pulled off right. a nice victory against Morgan State earlier today. A team that can be feisty. Just, no, it's, it's yeah, a great day, Bramlage. It, but it's just different. It's different when you're in that situation, though, because you know you have all the other things that are happening. Oh, and by the way, it's an oddball time, and hey, I need to get out of town. I'm looking to get out of here and go home and spend a little bit of time with mom and dad. So 10 days away, K-State and West Virginia. That'll be the Big 12 opener. Happens to be the same day as the Sugar Bowl, but it's going to be the night of. 6 o'clock for the tip-off, and um, now the players get their five days off. Coach Jerome Tang was saying in postgame with the media and also with Wyatt and, and Matt that uh, his parents were in town. They're here for Christmas, going to enjoy some of that cooking. Mm-hmm. His mom going to hit the reset button, get to defrost a little bit, and uh, get ready for the big swing of Big 12 play coming up, which uh, you know road trip to Baylor is also very soon. That'll be a lot of fun to watch. When we come back, we'll get into the numbers of K-State football's 2023 recruiting class after this, that you're listening to the game. Troy Travion with you on a Wednesday, and we're only on in, we're, we're on until six, but we started at five. K State basketball doubleheader. We've been tipped off at eleven. It's early, early for it's early for any kind of sport. Everybody wants to get out of town, yep, man. Get out of here. Um, maybe should have played a day before, <laughs> right? So we can get everybody out of here. They can go enjoy time with the family. Uh, but nonetheless, I hope uh, all the student athletes, all the coaches that uh, may be listening right now, hope you have a great holiday break. And we'll see you back here in about a week or so for uh, more K-State basketball. So let, let's let's touch briefly here on the recruiting class. Again, we're going to have more, a lot more tomorrow on that. Uh, reason for pumping the brakes a little bit. Chris Kleiman still to have his press conference. That'll be, to, uh, that, as a matter of fact, that's in 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll be bouncing here a little bit early to go over to that. And Troy and Travion will take you the rest of the way. Uh, but also hoping to hear from some uh, of the high school recruit coaches and talk to them about their student athletes that have recently signed with K-State as of this morning. So here are the numbers for this recruiting class. 26 have signed here in the early signing period. 23 from the high school ranks and three are community college transfers. Now, this class also includes 15 defensive and 11 offensive players. Here's the uh, the, the position breakdown. 
Six are defensive backs. Five are linebackers. Of course, addressing an area that could very well be in need here in the offseason and, and transitioning to the next year. Four wide receivers. That could also, of course, be the area in need. Three defensive ends, three offensive linemen, two tight ends, and very talented tight ends, I may say. Uh, one defensive tackle, one quarterback, and that might be the prize of the recruiting class in Avery Johnson, the number one recruit in the state of Kansas, and one running back. Now, interesting the way this class turned out, I was a, a little surprised about the John Randall decision. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think I was. I don't really think I was expecting it. So John Randall, depending on where you look, he was either I think number two or number three in the uh, you know the top 10, top 12 players in the state of Kansas. And I know K-State was recruiting him for sure, but I don't know how heavy that recruiting was down the stretch here. But uh, he decides to go to Utah mm-hmm. and play for the Utes. He's, he's, of course, the running back from Wichita Heights. I, I'm intrigued by that as well because did, did we have much of a feeling that Utah was in on him or was it more a feeling? On, I, I kind of had the, the feeling that he was – probably going to go juco route well the that it feels like with dy and i the, the conversation kind of chilled out mm-hmm. after a while on john randall the discussion about him and his relationship with k-state just kind of mellowed out after a while just it just kind of felt like he was kind of sliding off the radar a little bit yeah and granted with some of what has taken place i think you can maybe see why uh, given what K-State had in this signing class, it may have just been a case where uh, he was one that wasn't going to fit in with the numbers that they wanted. 13 of the signees will enroll this spring, and that does include Avery Johnson. That does include um, Andre Davis from the state of Kansas. A number of guys, of course, 13. Half of the class will be here for the uh, the next semester, and, and a number crazy. of them from the state of Kansas. And if you want to see where the recruiting rankings fall in and where K-State lands, have you seen them yet, Troy? Uh, I saw that they ranged from 28th to 33rd. You saw D.Y.'s tweet. Yeah, I did. So on three has K-State's class number 33 in the country and uh, rivals in 24-7 sports with number 28 in the country. I mean, for crying out loud, I have Twitter. I get notifications, yes. <laughs> oh, you have the notification button pushed for DUI whenever he tweets. You why? Get, why wouldn't I? Oh, of course, I do too. I have it for pretty much everybody in K State's media. Yeah, right, Taylor Brad, any of the coaches. Yep, basketball coach. Yeah, I yes, absolutely. Again, proving why I utilize the platform above and beyond everything else, and that is information coming in. But K State made a great run at the end of this at the end of this period over the last week or so. And uh, I, I want to point out some of those gets here because Asa Newsome, I know, was on you know heavily recruited by K-State. I know there was a little bit of a, a little tug of war, I suppose, with Asa as he was being recruited by you know, he had pretty decent offers with Minnesota on that list, Missouri, Nebraska, Iowa was in there as well. And he's an Iowa kid. He's from uh, Waverly, three-star linebacker, 6'3", 215, and he's very talented, but he announced – very recently that he is going to K-State. Um, let's see here. 21st best linebacker in the in the class. Trey Spivey was the, the last. The last of the new cats to make his commitment and announce that he's coming to K-State. So Trey Spivey, 
who I think he I think he visited three times in the last calendar year. Once in the spring, and then twice during the season. He visited during the Texas game, and then he came back on an unofficial visit for the KU game. Heck, when you when you show up for uh, two unofficial visits for the Cats, you mm-hmm. you probably like the Cats. And I know Oklahoma State was in on him. He's an Arizona kid. Arizona wanted him as well. It didn't work out. He's the 63rd best wide receiver in the class, according to 24-7 Sports. Eighth overall prospect out of the state of Arizona that has a ton of of uh, talent. This recruiting class, he picked K State pretty close to the finish line. And uh, let, let's shout out another couple of guys here, including this JUCO transfer that is rec- is regarded as a very big get because he had a lot of Division One Power Five offers in Trey Kirksey. So he's a transfer from Hutchison Community College, who unfortunately they for them they just lost the. The national championship game last week, but uh, he's a six-two linebacker and twenty-eighth uh, best overall community college prospect in the class of twenty twenty-three. In a couple of years, he had a hundred and two tackles, including an eighty-year tackle season. This year, he was first-team All-Conference. And, of course, his team went to the JUCO National Championship game. He didn't have the best game, but he had a very solid season. And then, how about this, uh, tight end, and by the way, along with Will Ancio, who's from Cape and Mount Carmel, you just watched him play basketball a couple mm-hmm. of days ago. Yep. A stud? Uh, very much a stud. He's he's smooth. He does not look like... Uh, does not look like that he's a straight out just football player on the court. No, he he's very athletic and and talented. And just a couple of days ago, I think you can officially call it a flip, um, because he was, I believe, originally committed to Colorado. Then Deion Sanders comes in. Yes, and now he's going to become a Wildcat, and that's Andrew Metzger, who Dy told us about a couple of weeks ago. Maybe that was last week, but. Uh, a 6'4", 225-pound tight end. He's a three-star kid, rated the 34th best linebacker in the country. And, again, a very talented player who's going to be coming to K-State. K-State did very well at the tight end position. And I think, overall, this is an amazing class. And, of course, we first think about Avery Johnson, but there's a lot of great talent. And and K-State did such a great job at the end of this, uh, right before the early signing period, in the final stretch of picking up a number of commitments and all of them signing. I don't think, and I haven't had the whole day to really study the class when it comes to, all right, was there anybody, did I, is there a name that I didn't see? But I don't think, I don't think K-State was left with any bad surprises. I don't think there was really any surprises. I just think it went the way K-State wanted it to go. And in fact, I good indicator of that would be what they were able to do with their social media today with the sauce videos that they put together for each of the signings that you have to have some lead time to be able to put those types of things together i wonder if the sauce boss had something to do with that could could very well have been but imaginative different good idea and uh yeah i i'm when I look at the preparation that goes into something like that, uh, you know, I recognize that, yeah, there's not very many surprises when you uh, put that much time, energy, and effort into uh, into promoting your guys who have signed. Do you think uh, Coach Kleiman would take 26 guys that have the mentality and intensity as a sauce boss, Reggie Subblefield? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. All right. Because we're short today, 
kind of have to speed some things up. Plus, again, press conference is coming up at 6 o'clock. Tomorrow's show is going to have a lot more about this recruiting class of 2023 here in the early signing period, and that will include tomorrow Derek Young from KCN Online joining us at 5 o'clock tomorrow evening. When we come back, your number one song of the day after these words. Such badasses. Oh, absolutely. Oh my god, they're so they're so good. From 64, come see about me by the Supremes two weeks. And number one from the Motor City, Detroit Rock City. They were the premier act of Motown Records in the 60s. And man, were they trailblazers or what? I can't say enough about my appreciation for the Supremes. Of course, you know, Diana Ross, the face of the Supremes, a Justin Timberlake, you can say. But it was also Betty McGlone, Florence Ballard, Mary Wilson, the original members. The most commercial, commercially successful of any Motown act and most successful American vocal band ever. I'm pretty sure Diana Ross still gets out there and and does her thing. I got to see her one time. On my bucket list as well. She does like various shows. It's usually just like a LA one, a New York one, like once a year or something. I could plan around I could plan a chip around seeing Diana Ross. Yeah. But that's an absolute legend. Yeah. Absolute legend in music. One of the greatest of all time in my opinion. Very few stumbles. In terms of her career, it feels like that almost everything was a banger. Billboard ranked the Supremes the 16th greatest Hot 100 artist of all time. I think they deserve it. Listen to this. 29 studio albums, 32 top 40 hits, and this was their third of 12 number ones. Mm. Yeah, when you have 12 number ones, which is something not many have done, yeah, you're going to be up there a ways. You're, you're in Beatles neighborhood at that point. Beatles had 20. Mariah Carey is in second place with 19. Michael Jackson had 13. So there you go. Supreme's almost better than Michael Mike Jack. Well, oh well, Michael Jackson had 13 as a solo. I believe. So. I'll let me double check. Well, and that. then the Jackson Five had I think three. They had four. They had four. Okay. Yeah. Let me check though. All right. It's from their second album. Where did our love go? The song dealt with matters of the heart. Come See About Me finds Diana Ross at a bad spot. She gave up her friends to be with a guy. And now he's gone too. She asks him to come back. Sure that once he comes back around, she can make him hers. 
question is, what about the friends, Diana? What happened to the friends? Are they gone for good? They're like, oh my god, she picked him over us? How dare she? Let's go have a cigarette and complain about it. Because, you know, everybody smoked back then, didn't they? Right? Pretty close to it. I I try to be cliche, but I'm, I don't know. I don't... I'm, maybe it... Anyway. I was trying to think of a better cliche, but... Kind of drawing some blanks right now. It is all his solo career. 13 number ones in his solo There you career. go. Mike Jack did some damage back in the day. So, this song became the third of five consecutively released Supreme songs that went number one. In order, Where Did Our Love Go, Baby Love, Stop in the Name of Love, and Back in My Arms Again were the other four. And how about this? It was the number one song in the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart for two separate weeks. As I couldn't find this specifically, but I think this is true. I think they were the only group to ever sandwich a Beatles number one with just one song, if you know what I mean. Like, okay. They yeah. went number one, and then the Beatles took that spot with I Feel Fine, and then the Supremes came back with the same song and went back to number one. And they did it with this song, competing against I Feel Fine. That was number one for three weeks. One month after the song's release, which was two days after Christmas, the Supremes performed for the first time on The Ed Sullivan Show. How many times would they go on to appear after that? 19 times more than any other act. By the way, the BBC ranked Come See About Me number 94 on the top 100 digital Motown chart. Okay. Come See About Me is a banger. But is it 94 on that list? All right, I got For it. Motown songs? Top, yeah. Top 100 digital Motown list or songs. I gotta, great- I gotta look this up because... There's a lot of great Motown songs, though. Let's. Oh God. There is, but I. Let's see. I gotta find out what they would consider number one. Superstition, Stevie Wonder, Jackson Five. I want you back is number two. Marvin Gaye, Ain't No Mountain High Enough, with Tammy Terrell. Where's what's going on in that list? That should be number one, I think. Hmm. ABC, My Girls on the mm-hmm. Top Ten, All Night Long by Lionel Richie. Okay. That's considered yeah. Motown? Yeah, yeah, he was still with Motown during that time. Okay. Hmm. Super Freak by Rick James, where's it's, that on there? It's only giving me the top ten. Hmm. Oh. Well, gosh darn it. All right, here's the deal. I got to go. Press conference here in 15. I got to jet over to Veneer. Uh, Troy and Travion will take you the rest of the way with a little, actually an extended, not a little, an extended. Ask us anything after the break on the game. News Radio KMAN, wrapping up a shortened version of the game this afternoon. Before we do that, though, want to remind folks, well, I'm just going to ask Travion, how good were you with the clues for the Jingle Bell Rock? Like, you mean announcing them? or No, how how good were you with figuring out where the rock was? I did not even look at them, to be honest (laughs) with you. (laughs) Okay. 
Uh, we congratulate Keenan and Lauren as they were able to find it this morning. We were going to have a couple of interesting days if the rock had not been found. Like what? Uh, like dealing with this weather. Oh, because, yeah, it, it would get really bad and then no one could find it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, thank you to G. Thomas Jewelers and Godfrey's Ranges in Tactical Supply for sponsoring the Jingle Bell Rock again. Many others. You can find the clue breakdown online now uh, at all of our Manhattan broadcasting sites, including News Radio KMAN. If you hadn't heard, it was found by the Rocky Ford area along Western Heritage Trail. Of note, there is still one prize giveaway coming tomorrow. The final of our drawings comes up tomorrow. $500 in cash and prizes. Keep on to those hunting tags. One extra hunting tag Christmas gift for someone. All right, fire away. Okay, some Christmas-related ones. Uh, When and how did you first learn the truth about Santa? Cover your kids' ears if they're listening right now. Right. Um. School. Yeah, just everyone being like, Santa's not real. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think that, what, probably third grade. Right, right. So. Mine was a little bit earlier. Um, It was a mix of that, and then also I, I was like, I want a Wii for Christmas. This is back in like 2008 or 2007. I was like, I want a Wii for Christmas. And then I remember finding it in our uh, family wardrobe, like underneath a bunch of blankets uh and stuff. And I was like, oh, there it is. And then under the tree on Christmas, it said from Santa. And I was like, they tried to get me. I know this now. (laughs) We still tag things from Santa. By the way, just for the heck of it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's still it's still part of the tagging. Yes, that's fun. Um, Do you have any Christmas traditions? Other than I mean, I guess just the usual things. One of the things that we've gotten to at this point in terms of the family meal is that we are a little unusual in that we do what we call Tipton sausage. Uh, For those who Hmm. know the area uh, out by Cocker City, out by uh, Wakanda Lake, Tipton is a small town out there in that area where my mom is from. Uh, My grandparents owned a farm literally right on the edge of town for forever. And uh, the grocery store there still does the sausage produces the sausage and uh, German style sausage that's tremendous I still have unfortunately uh, a package of that still sitting in the freezer from last Christmas that I got but oh, wow. uh, just we didn't have the opportunity but anyway right. mom usually serves that as as part of dinner oh nice so nice. that that you know it's a simple thing, thing but yet it's different for us right right you know it, we're not just doing ham and turkey and those types no we will do it more with a family touch there nice what time of the day do you usually do it uh this we do it at midday okay yeah yeah, yeah. and go ahead That's and, do, and do, do gifts right after right. yeah some people do night ones or just do everything christmas eve and then hang out during christmas day too. and and we got to that point where we did a good bit of that um specifically when my niece and nephew were younger part of that is also because uh my wife's family always does christmas day and 
Uh, there are so many bodies involved in that that it literally is all Christmas Day. Right, right. Um, <laughs> especially when those kids were younger. Uh, those nieces and nephews were younger. It could take us three hours to go through just the kids' gifts. Oh, wow. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> so, yeah, you kind of learn to set Christmas Day aside for that. And my mom has always been wonderful in that aspect. And we adjusted the schedule very well accordingly. But it also freed up then my brother's family to be able to do it where they were then with his in-laws on Christmas Day. So, nice. yeah, mom's, mom's always been very good about recognizing that we've got both sides of the families to attend to nice nice yeah that's a big bunch sounds like you got that's crazy oh my gosh <laughs> uh well monica is the youngest of six kids oh, okay and so, so then you then you start more and more and more and just keep building <laughs> you got it that's exactly right i mean say, same for my mom is the youngest of six kids there's an irony to that i know i'm not uh, please nobody get into the psychoanalysis of it no it no freudian uh, stuff here no it's just one of those things that occurred yes and uh <laughs> you know when when uh my grandparents passed away uh 25 grandkids Wow. And at the time that Grandma passed away, it was at, I believe, uh, 27 or 28 greats. Wow. Yeah. So, that's yeah. crazy. And, and, you know, that's now... Way more. 20 years ago. It's a, yeah, that's... Wowee. Who is your least favorite actor or actress? Least favorite? Yeah. One that you're not fond of, really. But you don't get the hype. Honestly, early on, I said Ryan Reynolds. He's actually turned that around. Groaned on you a little bit. Yeah. What was the role that had him grow on you after a while? Because he did a lot of crappy movies in the 2000s, and now he does better movies. Yeah, and that, and that would be it. I would, I would say probably Deadpool had to be the one that, that right. did. Right. More so than any. I get you. I get you. Any others? That... That that and honestly, his uh, his relationship with his wife, because they make I fun don't of each know other. Who I mean, his wife is, is Blake she Lively. Oh, okay, okay, that's and, cool. And honestly, you know, they're constantly teasing. I mean, it's a real relationship like the rest of us have, right? As opposed to lights constantly shining on them, and they act like it's constantly shining on them. Right? Yeah. Right. No, they'll they'll tweak at each other at each and every event as possible. That's um, fun. Let's see here. My mom really hates Nicolas Cage. Like she cannot stand you know, and, any and, Nicolas Cage. And, and that's a good point because there are a lot of people who are love-hate with him. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I it, think it's great. I think it's fun. <laughs> it, it gives you someone to definitely taunt her with. Yes. Right, yeah. Right. Um, but there too. I mean, look at some of the crappy movies he was in early on. Yeah, but... At least with those bad movies, like he kind of elevates it with a zaniness that makes it just fun to me when he acts all crazy and stuff. True. Like Face Off, I think is a terrible movie, but it's oh. just fun. Except that they didn't do it for fun, but yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Weather Channel, you don't need to show me North Dakota right now. We know. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's looking pretty bad. Uh, yeah. It. Welcome to uh, Mother Nature. Uh, 
Stay with us. We'll, of course, have all of the rundown coming up tomorrow morning for you here at Cayman. Be safe out there. Take care. Take it slow on the roadways this evening. We'll chat at you tomorrow morning. Big episode of the game coming up tomorrow afternoon to talk K-State football recruiting.